0: Welcome back to the DSO Decision. I'm your host, Brian Hanks, and uh, I'm an accountant. We're talking DSOs, and not only am I an accountant, but I am joined today by two attorneys. And uh, so I've got my regular co-host, David Cohen. David, hello. How's it going? Looking forward to this one. And I've got David's partner, a real estate attorney, dental real estate attorney extraordinaire, um, Liam. Liam, say hello. And actually, if you don't mind, pronounce your last name correctly so I don't screw it up.
1: Sure. It's Cray. Uh, I'm happy to be here with
0: you guys. All right, perfect. Liam, David, thank you guys for being here. Um, There's an obvious joke here somewhere and about an accountant and two attorneys and uh, the most thrilling podcast of all time. (laughs) But (laughs) let's get past the obvious joke and let's just get to right to the meat of the content because today we're talking about leases and uh, selling the real estate, basically all things real estate we're talking about today. And our focus primarily in this episode is going to be on the sale of real estate that a doctor owns in in a DSO sale of some kind. Um, our next episode will focus on leases, and we may do a few on leases and purchases depending on how much time we need. But um, let's let's just tee this up before we even know. First of all, um, how do how do a listener know whether or not they're going to lease the the building or sell the building? How does this typically come up? And uh, David at what stage does real estate enter the conversation in the dso
2: like loi or is it past the loi like when does real estate even come up yeah so the 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 loi is typically where it's outlined whether or not the dso is going to buy or they're going to lease the real estate i will say that most of the time the dso does not purchase real estate Uh, the, the predominance of the time they will lease it from the doctor that's selling however there are a few dso's that that do purchase real estate and we're involved with a couple right now as we speak so it, it does occur and you know often enough that it's really important for the doctors out there that are selling to a dso and own their building and plan to potentially sell it to to really key in on this podcast okay yeah perfect and then when would someone lease again
0: we'll talk about leasing more in the next episode but um where when might someone lease and what are the two, I mean, there's two kind of different scenarios. There's leasing because I own the building and there's leasing because someone else owns the building. Um, give me, give me like uh, the, the 10 seconds to think about, or, you know, 10 to 30 seconds, just the basics,
2: which category might, is, is a doctor going to fall into and how would I know? That's correct. So in one case, the doctor is going to fall in the same category as they would if they're selling, which is they own the building. But in this case, instead of selling the building, they would be leasing it back to the DSO. In another case, the doctor would not own their building at all, and they would have a third-party landlord, and they'd need to assign that lease with the third-party landlord over to the buyer DSO. So that's another scenario. Okay, perfect. Um, So
0: for our assumption for this podcast is the... Uh, real estate is owned by the same owner of the dental as the dental practice. And for this podcast, we're going to assume that the dentist is open to selling the real estate to the DSO, and the DSO wants to buy the real estate. Before we go too far down that path, how come, you said it's more common the DSO does not buy the real estate. Um, Liam, percentage of deals where the DSO actually purchases, are we talking, you know, one in 25%? Are we talking 10%? Like, ballpark it for me.
1: Uh, I, I would say, I mean, I would say probably one in five, right? Okay. David, I mean, I think that's a, probably a good, I mean, 25%, exactly. I would say. Yeah.
0: 20, 25%. Okay. Right. So not unheard of. And so some important information coming your way, it, uh, you know, could happen. And give me the DSO's perspective. Why is it less common to purchase the real estate, A, and then what are they thinking? You know, it seems like, it, you know, didn't they read the same rich dad, poor dead book about, you know, you're not you're not selling hamburgers, you're actually buying real estate when you buy McDonald's?
2: Like, why doesn't the DSO just want to buy the real estate like every doctor? You know, I, I I'll defer to Liam. I, but the first thing I would say is I don't specifically know the answer to that. I mean, I think one obvious thing could be that. They could use the liquidity to buy more practices as opposed to buying the buildings as well. But I also defer to Liam there see what he thinks.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I just think some of the business models for these DSOs is they're they're not real estate operators. They're not real estate holding companies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole set of uh, you know, components that go into that. And, and, and you know, there's additional maintenance, operational requirements, underwriting um, that they have to consider, you know, when they're owning a, a physical asset in real estate. Um, yeah. You know, that yeah, I mean, there's also accounting benefits too from you know from leasing as well, um, and, and and you know those are viewed as business expenses, uh, whereas opposed to you know when you, when you're owning and operating, um, you then have to enter into a lease and and you know collect rent from from a tenant, which is typically you know a DSO or or or, or the the existing um, the existing dentist, but there's complications with that. So yeah. it, it really depends on you know the, the DSO and what they're, what they're looking to achieve.
0: Okay. So to repeat back, I heard uh, A, when I buy a dental practice, I can usually go get 100% financing of some kind, or if I'm a private equity group, I may have all the cash, but uh, I'm not tying up my cash in the real estate. And if I go buy a, a piece of real estate, chances are good, I've got to put a 10, 20, 25% down payment. It's going to tie up some of my cash. So that's number one. Number two is um, I know what I'm good at. And if I'm a DSO, I'm trying to be really good at running dental practices, not owning and operating real estate. And right. and there may be some additional tax um, and some other, um, you know, leasing type things to think about. Okay. And I, I'm sure we'll get to those. What about from the dentist perspective, Liam? Um, should a dentist who's pretty set, all right, you know, I got my offer, I've under- I understood all the you know, the things Brian and David were talking about, about enterprise value and, and where my, you know, what's held up when and when I might get payments and second bite at the apple and all of those different things. Should I be trying to push for the sale of my real estate? Should I be trying to retain my real estate? Like, what are my considerations as the doctor? Uh, just at a high level, how should I start thinking about this?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so the assumption would be that they already own the real estate, right. they're leasing it back to themselves. Um, so in that case, you know, it, it, it's really what your, your long-term goals are. I mean, you could by receiving rent. I mean, that's a legacy asset. You're going to continue to receive that rent, uh, in, you know, for, for the extent of the lease, um, there's intrinsic value in that you can refinance, uh, cash out, refi, you know, they're long-term leases. Um, typically those leases have, uh, you know, annual appreciation or increases in rent. Um, so there, there is intrinsic value in those assets. Um, they, they, you know, there's, it, it, it's really, it just comes down to whether or not the, you know, the, the, the dentist needs the liquidity, um, and it, they want to roll that sale of that real estate up into part of their, their sale to the DSO. So, it, it, and, yeah.
0: and the dentist can just really get that DS over a barrel, right. And they can charge kind of exorbitant rent and I'm, I'm a little tongue in cheek here, but yeah. I mean, i'm sure there are dentists who think to themselves fantastic and i can't wait to jack up the realist the, the rent on these ds these rich dsos <laughs> that have unlimited resources and there's nothing they can do about it because they can't move my practice and they're going to sign a 10 year lease
1: yeah it's yeah. quite the opposite of that and i'll let david speak to how that affects their underwriting of the deal um because it really goes into the valuation of the practice and yeah. and, and everything else in the sale so um, yeah. You didn't bite. I'm disappointed. I tried I tried to,
0: yeah. No, in other words, the DSOs are not stupid and they're going to go get a fair market, uh, an assessment of what the actual lease rate would be. And, and they're going to, would it be fair to say, David, they're going to fight uh, to get a fair deal on the lease and maybe even try to win on the lease and try to get some terms and conditions in there that are going to be in their
2: favor either now or 15, 20 years in the future? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that some DSOs are looking to do. I think the most important thing for the doctor to understand is the best time to address the fair market value, whether it's via selling the real estate or leasing the real estate is going to be at the beginning. Um, like very, very beginning because once the DSO does their quality of earnings and, you know, their valuation and they've pegged the value to this, like that is what they have underwritten for the deal, as Liam alluded to, and that's not going to change. So like if you're a doctor and you're in there and you don't think that the rent that they're offering you is is market and you want that to go up, they're going to tell you, okay, well, we can raise the rent, but we're going to take it off the purchase price. It's got to come off of somewhere, (laughs) um, you know, in, in the deal. and so that might be valid right like if the valuation's proper then cool i mean that makes a ton of sense but you just got to be careful and make sure that when this valuation is done from the very very beginning from the inception that you are fully clear that uh, on what is valued as what so that you're making sure that they're not just making an excuse and saying yeah, just because they want to pay less that, that it, you know, it's all part of the valuation and, you know, they're getting fair market value. It's just coming out on the purchase price instead of on the lease or something like that. Right. right so yeah. just, just make sure that you and your, you know, CPA, you know, i.e. Brian Hanks um, <laughs> is in there and just making sure that the value is proper. Yeah. So, David, uh, Liam made the case for why
0: DSOs aren't necessarily jumping uh, to buy the real estate in, in the majority of cases. When would it line up? When would the doctor's goals line up in your mind that you might uh, nudge the doctor towards a sale? In other words, um, you know, when would it be in the interest of the doctor to sell the real estate? I'm thinking about like risks. You know, if, uh, if it's not the DSO's, the DSO doesn't want to necessarily be a landlord. Um, I could see the same being true for a doctor, right? They said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a dentist. I own my practice. I'm selling either part or all of my practice now to a DSO. Um, I I think one reason could be, I'll answer my own question here and that uh, you feel free to jump in and and add to it if you want. But one reason would be, is they don't want to be a real uh, uh, landlord either. Right. Or they, uh, so they recognize their strengths. They recognize they don't necessarily want to be at beck and call to fix plumbing leaks and roof. You know this, that, and the other. And so they just kind of want the headache off their ta- off the table. And maybe that uh, dentist is also looking for the the cash out of that real estate. They want to put it in the stock market, or they've got some other investment opportunities they want to. Are those kind of the two main reasons, or are there other reasons why
2: a doctor might want to sell the real estate? Yeah, I think those are probably the two main reasons. Um, you know economics is going to play into it pretty significantly. Do they need that money? Do they need, want to take those chips off the table? Um, or is this something that they want to have perpetually as landlord going forward because this is part of their investment, you know, income strategy after the closing when maybe they're not making as much income as an employee or maybe they're only working for a couple of years, but then they can still get rental income mm-hmm. um, for a longer term period of time. And maybe that's part of their financial plan. Um, I think that analysis has to be done. But, um, but I think, you know, oftentimes too the doctor doesn't necessarily have the choice. I think the Mm -hmm. DSO will say, this is what we propose and want to do here. Um, And if you know, the doctor doesn't want to maybe it's not the right DSO but but if they do get the choice, uh, you know, those are the considerations.
0: I think some doctors are smart enough. They can see the writing on the wall for maybe certain areas of the country. Maybe they, they know their neighborhood better than anybody. They can see what's going to be happening 10, 15 years from now. They're not sure this is going to be the best part of town. Maybe they want to get rid of the real estate now. I know real estate's traditionally considered a very safe asset, but if you were in downtown Detroit in the 60s and now you're downtown Detroit in 2023, um, you know, it's a different story on the real estate side. Liam, let me ask you about um, the process. So Um, I've had my three steak dinners with the DSO. They valued my practice. On the LOI, what does it typically look like? Is is the DSO saying, we wanna buy your your building and we're gonna pay a fair market value and our bank or our lender is gonna go get an appraisal. Is it that simple or is there more to it in the LOI? What should the doctor be looking for
1: upfront in the negotiations? so yeah it's a great question i guess it comes back to what i would like to see in the loi or what's yeah. typically in the loi right um you know, right. yeah and, i mean that's a great point is that the the lois for
2: in, in the dso deals are, are pretty short as far as the yep. real estate is concerned right but i'm sorry to interrupt
1: yeah. no no problem i mean from from a non-dental straight real estate purchase and sale, we have prepared LOIs that are five to six pages long mm-hmm. um, that just address real estate related matters. What you typically see, unfortunately, is a two to three sentence uh, you mm-hmm. know, provision in an LOI related to the person's and sale. And you're generally working from the DSO's document, even though you're the seller, which is inconsistent with what you typically see in a standard purchase and sale of real commercial real estate, usually the seller prepares that document. And so it, it's it's generally not, uh, you know, a, 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 it's a central part of their deal, but it's not necessarily a central part of the LOI and fully negotiated at, at that, at that LOI point, which leads to potentially some back and forth in negotiations on the actual purchase and sale contract uh, related to that, to those, uh, to the sale of the real estate, which is different from the asset purchase agreement. Got it. Okay.
0: Perfect. Um, biggest mistakes. Give me one, two, three mistakes you see doctors make around the sale of their real estate. And I'll, I'll tee you guys up with one. It's top of mind for me. Uh, we talked a little bit about it before we hit record, but, um, I do hear about this a lot. Uh, the doctor has gotten to their point this point in their career, 30s, 40s, 50s, it doesn't matter what age, they've they've been successful to the point where the dental practice is doing very well. The real estate tended to be an afterthought in the purchase of the practice. Maybe they're excited to get the real estate, but now that they've owned the real estate forever, it's not, they recognize the value is in the dental practice, not necessarily the real estate. The real estate's a good savings mechanism and all of that. But um, the first mistake I see a lot of doctors make is that the real estate is an afterthought. They're not thinking about it. The second thing I could think about would be, you know, they have some questions around lawyer's fees, but we can get there first. Liam, would you agree, am I missing like the number one mistake doctors make around real estate is just not thinking about it? Or is there a bigger one?
1: Absolutely. The focus is on the practice. It's not on on the real estate, Um, you know, despite oftentimes the real estate having more value than the practice. And I was going to
0: ask, why is that a problem? It seems like the building, unless we're in downtown Manhattan or Miami, where you are, somewhere is like, it's 800,000, it's 1.2 million. The practice is selling for 10 million. Um, you know, who cares? Am I thinking about that wrong?
1: Um, again, it, it, you have to look at it from, yeah, I mean that, that you can approach it that way. However, I would, I would say, no, there is always intrinsic value in that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an asset, you can lease it, you can leverage it. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot you can do with real estate, um, that can't necessarily do with the practice. And unfortunately, you know, what we we've advised our clients and it's a discussion and, and it's not, we don't hear It talked about too often is that, you know, the practice is only as good as the professional, you know, operating the practice really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and that's, and that's just for all professionals. Um, you know, if you're, if you're an attorney, your, your law firm is really only as good as, as the attorneys that are, that are handling the work. Um, and it's the same for CPAs and, 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 yeah. and other professionals. So, you know, there, but the real estate will always have that intrinsic value, will always have the ability to lease it, use it and, and leverage it, um, in ways that you can't necessarily do with, a with the practice. David, we spent, you know, 10, 11 different episodes
0: talking about all the intricacies of the sale of the dental practice. Okay. We talked about various legal uh, documents and forms, and and when things might be considered, and um, we're only doing you know one two uh, we're two three maybe four episodes on real estate, so um, the legal side on the real estate is pretty simple, right? In fact, do I even need
2: an attorney for the real estate side? I, I think I can just do this off of Google.
1: <laughs>
2: well, it's it's really interesting yeah. that, you, um, that you brought that up because we just had a client. This or late last night that reached out and essentially they asked us why they needed us for the real estate portion of their DSO deal um, and but almost did so in a way of like, I don't understand because this particular client had done real estate transactions in the past and they have not, they had not used an attorney. Um, And so, you know, I'll kick it to Liam because his response via email was was perfect. And I think he's going to be able to eloquently express this, um, you know, better than I can. Probably said, "No, you idiot, Yeah, what spelling of "moron"
0: did you use, Liam? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, I took a, a little bit more of a diplomatic approach. Uh, <laughs> to just tried to explain the, the different phases in in the negotiation execution of the purchase sale agreement. Um, explaining the risks associated with that, uh, handling the, the the various due diligence um, and, and title related issues, and then facilitating the closing and so really what your real estate commercial real estate attorney should do would be to mitigate your risk or as much as possible and then to help facilitate a closing and and to do it in a timely manner um according to the terms of the agreement too often you know commercial real estate attorneys or attorneys that aren't experienced in real estate uh, or sophisticated real estate don't um Understand the timing and all the other dynamics that go into that, and if you miss a deadline, it could be devastating to 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 the overall sale.
0: I've got one more question about taxes before I get to taxes and and how to think about that, um, David. I don't know if I've ever asked this question in the podcast yet. Shame on me. Um, What should a dentist expect to pay for attorney's fees around the real estate if they're selling the real estate? And I know the the answer is gonna be it depends and there's gonna be a lot of different variables, but can you give me like a range that's common? If I'm selling my real estate, expect to pay $1,000 in fees, 10,000 in fees, 50,000 in fees, like what's a, you know, give me kind of a typical range.
2: Um, I think that if, if it's one building and there, mm-hmm. there are multiple buildings and there's, it's one owner and there are partners involved as well, because, you know, that like you said, it, it kind of depends. Like if there's three partners and they all have their own attorneys and we're dealing with them as well, it can kind of go down the road of a, a bigger scope of work. But if we're just talking about straight up doctor owns the building, they're the only owner, no partners. I would say between five to 10K is probably okay. an, accurate, um, an accurate number now. I will say in our commercial real estate firm that's not in the dental industry, that number is usually in the 10 to 20K range, but we also understand that doctors, um, you know, A, um, there's only so much that a doctor wants to pay for their real estate, um, even though we don't agree um, with that. And number two, we try to mitigate... Their legal fees a bit, but because they're already doing the, the DSO deal with us, and so yes. we kind of just package it in. And frankly, it's usually at the lower end of that range, just mm-hmm. kind of packaged in. Yep. So um, that that's what I would expect. Nice. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. And just
1: just one other comment on that. I think things get a little bit more complicated, and from a pricing standpoint, when you have multi-tenant real estate. So yep. you're you're a dentist. You own the the, the building you may be leasing it to other dentists, you may be leasing it to other office tenants, you may be leasing it to other retail tenants. The point is though that any buyer of that building is going to have to do a lot more due diligence with respect to reviewing those tenants, reviewing the, the, the property as a whole, not only for themselves but for their lender as well. So it, that complicates things and you know, in addition to having multiple partners, that also could you know, that's likely going to increase the price. Got it. And, and yeah, the more complexity, the more the fees are and that's right. just, yeah, rule of thumb.
0: Okay. A big mistake I see, at, and we're, we're close on time, but the dentist selling the real estate, not thinking about the tax impact of selling the real estate. Um, Liam, I know you're an expert in this area uh, at a very, very high level, 30,000 feet. Um, give me kind of the basics to know about taxes and, and some mitigation strategies. And then I do wanna mention the fund that you guys um, have. Uh, this isn't a commercial for you guys, but I want dentists to understand the types of options they have around taxes. So first, when dentists don't think about taxes, what happens, what's the typical bill? Um, you know, Just in broad terms, again, I, I know I'm the accountant and I'm asking the lawyer for, for the tax answer, but um, you know, how, how do dentists need to think about the tax impact and where do people typically forget?
1: Yeah, so just high level, your, your real estate is going to be considered a capital asset, meaning it's used in the trader business and held longer than a year uh, or owned for longer than a year. Um, when, you, when you purchase a capital asset and you sell it later for a, a gain, meaning more than what you paid for or more than your adjusted basis is really the tax technical definition, um, you will receive gain. You are then taxed on that gain at capital gains rates, mm-hmm. um, depending upon your income level. You will pay you know, between fifteen to twenty percent um, in taxes. Okay. With respect if, to that. if you're
0: selling to a DSO in the year, you're probably on the higher end, twenty. Right. And then there's some some Medicaid surcharge stuff that happens. Okay. But yes, okay, keep going.
1: Right. Yep. So what we often find are that when you're selling, and with our clients, they didn't necessarily appreciate or factor in that they will be stroking a check. For, to, to the government for the sale, um, for the gain on the sale of the real estate. There's also gonna be gain on the sale of the practice as well, mm-hmm. um, if they're selling that, but we're talking specifically- Just the related real to the real estate. Yep. Um, and in addition to that, if you took depreciation during that time, um, you will have to pay tax on the depreciation you received. Right. Um, that goes in and factors into your adjusted basis. And again, without getting too complicated uh, it, or into the weeds, that rate you'll pay can either be at ordinary income rates, or which are potentially thirty-five to thirty, you know, thirty-six yep. percent, or you know, capital gains rates, which are, I believe, it's twenty-five percent, is what what uh, yeah, the uh, depreciation right, yeah. recapture rate Thank is. You. Yeah. Either way, though, you're paying not only get tax on your gain, you're paying t- depreciation recapture tax, which can be significant. Mm-hmm. Um, what, unfortunately, a lot of Wait, let me, let me pause
0: you, uh, sure. into bought their building, uh, whatever, 15 years ago for 500,000 today, yep. it's worth a million. You're saying not only are you going to owe taxes on your $500,000 in gain, but if you were smart and you should have taken depreciation, depreciation is not a bad thing. You should have done it. Uh, that there's going to be some additional tax, not just on the 500 that your dental practice building went up in value, but there's going to be some additional tax due, and and that number can shock some people, is what I hear you saying. And then you're going to make one more comment.
1: Correct, right? And so we will provide solutions to our clients on on ways to mitigate those that 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 tax liability that you're obligated to ultimately pay. It's not a tax avoidance. It's it's mainly a tax deferral. Mm-hmm. Um, all, although there are some some options out there that will minimize or, or or, or eliminate a portion of that tax. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if you want to get into that. Yeah, but. yeah.
0: Tell us about the funds. Um, and again, keep a high level. The, again, the purpose listeners isn't, we're not we are not here to try to sell things. In fact, there's some requirements to even be an investor in, in something like this that we don't need to talk about now. But I am interested in people understanding that there are options here. Uh, so Liam, talk about the funds, 1031 exchanges, the deferred, the opportunity zone. And again, I know I'm kind of putting you in a tight spot uh, to summarize this. And it's not fair. So I will just caution listeners to realize there's more detail here. Always get some advice from the CPA, other attorneys, et cetera. And, and, um, but yeah, if if you're okay with that,
1: Liam. Sure. Yeah, I'll do my best here to try to, keep this as 60
0: seconds ready go
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so you know you may be familiar with the 1031 exchange that's a that's an option available to defer taxes essentially you take your gain from the sale of your your building and you can invest that into other real estate and you like kind real estate and in in my my
0: building that's worth a million i use that million and i go buy another
1: building and right now I get to defer some taxes in short. Correct. Yep. Correct. Another option would be a installment sale where you're taking, you know, instead of receiving the proceeds from the sale all in one year, you can spread that out on a annual basis and receive essentially, you know, m- multiple payments over a period of time. That's a way to, to defer or extend out your gain. In theory,
0: Um, maybe in the future, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket. So great. Let's take instead of a million all at once, I'm going to take 200 over the next five years or 100 over the next 10 years or something like that. And theoretically, I I maybe save some taxes. Okay, keep going. Um,
1: There are other unique and and more niche um, investment opportunities such as Delaware statutory trusts um, and deferred sales trusts. We'll go into all of those. um, But... One option that we are um, we have researched and we have focused on, and we've structured these on our non-dental uh, related firm, uh, just from a real estate side for clients, are it's called a, an opportunity zone fund, um, and it's essentially a, a fund. It functions very similar to a 1031 exchange, um, so it has similarities to that, but it's actually a supercharged 1031 exchange or a supercharged Roth IRA. Roth IRA is really what it's looked at. Um, and it not only applies to your real estate, your gain on your real estate, but it also will apply to the gain on your practice sale as well, which is extremely unique because most, um, most of the tax deferral provisions in the, in the code do not pertain to the deferral of gain on the sale of the business it really only pertains to the sale of real estate. Um, so which th- that that's what makes this program so unique. And essentially what it is, is you can take your gain, invest it into a fund. Um, we have a fund, we've structured a fund for, for, uh, you know, our clients and non-clients, uh, real estate clients, non-real estate related clients. So it's not industry specific. It applies to everybody that has gain and essentially you can invest your gain into this fund and you get to defer the payment of tax on that gain for four years. Um, right now, the, that period is set statutorily, uh, you know, was part of the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, in 2017, those passed. Mm-hmm. And in t- at the end of 2026, so in the 2027 tax year is when you'll pay it, um, you will end up having to be- pay the full amount of your taxable gain in that year. Um, however, what it does, though, is it creates a cost basis in that fund. Um, so you will then receive a, a basis for whatever your, your taxable gain was. So if it's a million dollars in tax you owed, you will then have not only your investment basis, but you will get a basis for whatever your, your, your tax payment was. So now it's a million bucks. So then yep. it increases by a million dollars. Why that's beneficial is because the, what, what the fund will do is it's going to purchase real estate, um, income producing real estate, multifamily mixed use real estate that real estate will um, produce income for the fund, which will be then distributed to the investors. Um, That cash being distributed back to the investors will be tax-free up to your basis in the the fund. Um, Our fund is structured such that we are partnering with one of the best multifamily ground-up real estate development companies um, in the US, it's McCaffrey Interests and also with Grandview Development Company. Um, it's a joint venture between those two and our focus is in Miami, Florida. So we're doing ground up real estate development, multifamily um or in with a mixed use component uh, in 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 South Florida, uh nice. specifically Miami.
0: And then why this is important at least I didn't uh, get this until I was talking to David about the the key phrase used in there was the opportunity zone. Um yep. Now this is um depending on when the person the listener is listening to this episode this might not be a thing anymore okay so the point here isn't to give you a specific tax strategy although if you're listening to this when this is a thing great absolutely use this advice um but the opportunity let me just zone in on on opportunities home, sorry um just briefly and then let me zoom back out and make the bigger point uh so you're in miami uh, you said the fund is kind of based there and the government has said hey you sold your building for a million, you did a 1031 exchange, you bought another building. Hey, uh, you know, David, you're, if if you buy another building in a specific area of the country that we've marked on a map that needs a little extra help, needs a little TLC, needs us up some extra investment, the government's going to cut you a break on your taxes for uh, investing money in an area that you know, for whatever reason, for various reasons, needs a little help. And that's kind of the the gist and the additional tax benefits, Liam, that you were kind of describing. Um, yeah. let, let me pause. I know that's way oversimplified, but
1: is that directionally correct? Co- correct, one hundred percent. So, okay. yeah, just to touch on because one of the one of the one of the most important, I think, tax benefits that I did not mention before. Mm. Um, and if you were going to, I don't know if you were going to go that direction or not, but um, just yeah. to kind of summarize here, you, you really get three major tax benefits. It's the deferral of gain for four years. Um, And again, that's what the current statute says. It may get extended for an additional period of time, which will result in a further deferral. Uh, In addition to that, you receive a stepped up basis on the sale of the underlying asset. And so what that means in just basic terms is if the purchase price of the underlying asset is meaning the property, the ground up multifamily real estate development, is 20 million dollars mm-hmm. um, and it later sells for 40 million, million sure. right yeah. you're gonna pay tax on capital gains tax on the sale on that 20 20 million dollars in gain which mm-hmm. will then be distributed to the investors mm-hmm. um what this program does is it re- you will receive instead of a 20 million dollar basis a, well it could be less soon yep. that it's adjusted it's adjusted right right instead of receiving that $20 million basis, your basis will be $40 million. 40, so yeah. there is no tax. There, there will be no capital gains tax on the sale of that underlying asset. You yeah, yeah, not I've right. how unique and, and unbelievable that is. Oh so yeah, it's huge. In and, addition- and it's, to it, because, is, it's, okay. it is
0: unique. It may disappear. Um, there are some major risks, right? It is not a gimme. That you're going to go invest in real estate in A, an opportunity zone that it's going to right. appreciate. Um, B, this <laughs> sorry, I just thought of the the oh, this is a terrible thing to think about that the the one on the beach in I think is Miami Beach, right? That just yeah. collapsed, right? Anyway, so that yeah. sorry, terrible memory. Um, but anyway, my point my point is there are tax considerations. There are really smart people out there that can help you think through these make sure they align with your goals. And there may be some really, really cool opportunities to help you avoid, not, maybe not avoid the taxes, but defer the taxes and at least lower the tax bill or push it out to the future. Right. And I think you lose a lot of things um, in, in uh, being a dentist or, or just any investor by uh, assuming that everyone is out to get you. So David's five to $10,000 legal bill, uh, sure, that's going to cost you some money. Um, I would argue that's a steal and you'd be an absolute fool not to hire an attorney to help you with the real estate. Um, However, um, there's another missed opportunity in in that a no one's protecting you um, from the mistakes and the shenanigans that other people can invest. And you don't find out about stuff like this if you don't have a good team on your uh, on your uh, with you, You your CPA, your banker, um, your financial advisor, the attorneys you're working with. Um, These opportunities are out there. They're real. And they make a huge difference in people's lives. And again, not without risk. And I'm not endorsing a specific investment. Although in this case, I think it would probably be a good thing to look into. Um, but that's uh, anyway, soapbox done. Um, gentlemen, we're way over time. Let me just ask, did I miss anything um, very, very important on a dentist selling their real estate to a DSO? Any last thoughts before we wrap up? No. I see, I see thumbs up. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I That's think great. we, I think we've been yeah, holding yeah, a great. sign that says, Brian is so smart, Liam. Thank you. That's so nice of you. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> one, one other thing real quick, just yeah. to mention on the OZ, that in addition, so when you get that 100% stepped up basis on the mm-hmm. sale, you do not pay depreciation recapture tax yeah. either. Right. Well, so, sorry. I've I, no, I no, before. It, I just,
0: and, um the specifics are so powerful here. And I think dentists should uh, invest a little time to try to understand this, get some of the basics um, and uh, don't just rush into something um, right. just because you heard it on a podcast. But um, okay, gentlemen, here's where we're going to go next. Um, we're going to do two episodes next for sure on leases. We'll do one on a dentist who owns the, the practice real estate and is going to lease it to the DSO. And then we'll do another separate episode on the dentist who does not own the real estate. They have a third party landlord. Um, and, and we'll talk through, I imagine there's kind of two subcategories there. There's the big colliers, um, whatever, you know, big, big, um, we'll call them people that own more than one piece of commercial real estate. And then there's the solo landlord that owns the strip, the one strip mall the dentist is in, and, and the types of considerations that happen there. And um, looking forward to talking with both. And um, David, Liam, thank you
2: both for part of being a part of the DSO decision. Thanks for having us. Look forward to the next one.
1: Thanks for having us. Yep.